Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Welcome to Life Community Church. We are so glad you're here. Maybe you have asked, what is Life Community Church? Well, we are a church for the city, making much about the name of Christ, and we strive to do that four different ways, by practicing love with everyone always, by giving more than what makes sense, by chasing after the likeness of Christ in every corner of our lives, and by anchoring ourselves to the unchanging truth in God's Word. So we're so glad you're here. What a great day. We've got turkey on the menu. We've got baptisms. And my Irish are 11 and 0. What, what could get better today? Well, today we are going to just walk through, um, kind of we've been in this, this series called The Treasure Principle. And so just to kind of direct our conversation today, we're going we're gonna to walk through the treasure principle a little bit today, and then we're going to get into baptism. If you're new here, or maybe you're just visiting, just, just so you know, we talk about money every single week, just to make it awkward and uncomfortable for people. So that's what we're going to do today. No, just kidding. You caught us in a series here. So we're going to speak about two different points in the treasure principle, and then we're going to deal with baptism, and then we're going to get to eat a great meal uh, smoked turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, gravy, green beans, just going to be a great day. And so if, you, if you're here and you're excited about that, just calm down for an hour, okay? And we'll get there. My challenge for you guys in this, in that meal, is that you would step out of your comfort zones and maybe sit with some people that you don't know well, that we would foster and grow in our relationships with one another to be able to care for one another. And so let's just jump right into it today. We have been talking about this principle called the treasure principle. And this is what the treasure principle says to us. The treasure prim principle is simply, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. And here's what that means. Here's what that means. Anything that you try to hang on to in this life will be lost. We came in this world with nothing, and we will leave this world with nothing. All the things that we have acquired and gained in this life, somebody else is going to inherit them. You're going to see them on Wells County Virtual Marketplace at some point. They're going to go in the garbage. Everything that we own on this earth, we cannot take it with us. But the treasures that we store up in heaven will be there waiting for us when we arrive. Everything on this world will be lost. But what we gain and what we give to God will be ours in eternity. That's the treasure principle. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. And in that principle, there are six different keys that I think are important for us to understand to really unlock that principle. And today, we're just going to talk about two. We're going to talk about two, and we'll get into the others in the next week. And those two keys are this, is that God owns everything, and I'm his money manager. And the second is that my heart always follows where I put God's money. And so we're going to spend some time breaking those things down here in our, our time together. So two weeks ago, we talked about that money is the root of all kinds of evil, that massive problems arise in our life when we put money in a position that it was not intended to be. Problems such as contentment issues, we create identity problems, we even create worship problems by elevating money, things, treasures on this earth into positions that they were never intended to be. And so, look, is there a, is there a spot for money in our lives? Yes, absolutely. There's a place, there's a portion, an area, but it is not our priority. Money should never be our priority. We should never prioritize money over God. We should never care more about money than we care about other people. 
We should never be as concerned about money than we are on our personal integrity and our character, and we should never lift up money above the character, the intent, and the desire of our God. Money has fooled us into believing that it creates a better quality of life. And look, there is some truth to the reality that if you're not consuming all of the frivolous world, uh, the, the, the deeds of the world, the things of the world, and, and you have trouble paying for your heat bill, yeah, there's a certain level in which money makes life a little bit better. But money, as we know, can never buy us the good things in life, the truly satisfying things in life. Chuck Swindoll, who's a pastor, he says this, that, that money can buy you medicine, but not health. Money can buy you a house, but not a home. Money can buy you companionship, but not a friend. Money can buy you food, but not an appetite. Money can buy you a bed, but not sleep. Money can buy you a crucifix, but not a savior. Money can buy you a good life, but not an eternal life. Money is difficult. Money and possessions for too many of us, if we were completely honest, own it, us. The things that we own actually own us. We spend our lives trying to make money to buy stuff that grows old and breaks down and needs repair, and then we go and chase after more money to replace those things and repair them. And so today, I, I want to give you four simple words. They're one-syllable words, so it's right at my understanding. One-syllable words that I think have the propensity to be able to bring you some freedom in this area. These aren't profound words. They're not unique to me. But I think that these are words that can provide new understanding and freedom. And so here they are. God owns it all. <laughs> God owns it all. God is the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything on this earth. This is what it says in Psalm 24. In Psalm 24, David writes that the earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, belong to the Lord. For he laid its foundation on the seas and established it on the rivers. In Deuteronomy, in chapter 8, it says that you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Job, who is all suffering, the suffering of Job, God speaks to Job and he says, the, the, the whole world under the whole heavens is mine. Everything is God's. And that is our first key principle in the treasure principle. The first key is this, is that God owns everything. I'm his money manager. God owns everything, and I'm just his money manager. Think about this. What do we own <clears throat> that isn't already God? What, can, what do we possess that isn't the Lord's? Our brains? No. Our minds? Our thoughts? Our abilities? No. All of those things are God's. The trees that paper money is made from, who made those? The metal in which coin is stamped from, made by God. What can we call rightfully ours that isn't in some way touched by the hand of God? We have this idea in this culture that there is a self-made person. Listen, there are no self-made people. Your effort was made possible by the tools of God. Your knowledge and your thoughts made possible by the tools of God. Your abilities given and gifted to you by a loving Savior. John Wesleyan puts it this way. 
He says, when the professor of heaven and earth brought you into being and placed you in the world, you were not placed here as proprietors, owners, but rather stewards. A steward is somebody who looks after somebody else's belongings until they come back. That's what we are on this earth, simply managers of God's possession. And one of the most profound ideas in all of Christianity, those who are in faith, is that we are already, you and I, possessed. Not in like demonic ways or not in like, that dude's possessed. I don't want to be around him. He's crazy. You are owned by Christ. He purchased you through his son, by his blood. The God of the cosmos owns you. You are the most loved possession of a creator God. Not because he wants to use you as a pawn or a trophy, but out of the love and the riches of his graces and his love for you, he bought you. How can we be owned by anything else in this world when we are already purchased and owned by God? I mean, that's a kind of like a, my dad could beat up your dad kind of moment. My dad's better than your dad. What on this world could be better than being owned by the creator God, the infinite man that made everything on this earth? He gives us all that we need and speaks to all that we want. And so when we understand that we are owned by Christ, all the good things on this world, all of the things that are attractive, will never be allowed to own us, possess us, or shackle us and lead us into bondage, but rather equip us to live life, lives of freedom, liberated from the tyranny of possession and money that are exercised over us on a daily basis. And so as a steward of God's resources, every decision that you make is a spiritual decision. Every decision that you make must acknowledge God's character, God's sovereignty, God's love, God's heart, what we do with his stuff is to be informed by what his desire is, and it should all go to reflect his glory, not mine. His glory, not my own. Being concerned about our own personal stories, our own personal glory, is what created brokenness. It's why Christ had to die in the first place. When we are consumed with our own desires, our own thoughts, we get into places that we never dreamed possible. Because listen, selfishness is the root of all sins. Selfishness is the root of the sin that we see in the garden, and it is the root of most every sin in our lives. When we are more concerned about our own desires, our own personal glories, we drift further and further away from God's heart and God's pleasure. And nothing drives us towards selfishness like money. Nothing can drive us away from God like money. You show me where people invest their money, I'll talk to you about that person's heart. You show me where they sow, I can tell you what they care about most. Scripture tells us that our heart, this, this inner, moral, intellectual, emotional center, that's our heart, that's what the Bible calls our heart, that that is broken. And it is above our understanding. It is deceitful and evil. We cannot comprehend it. We have a flesh that bends towards sin and not towards godliness. There is a sickness that plagues every one of us in here. Every one of us in here. But the word gives us 
sickly people one really easy principle for us to understand about our heart, one of multiple things. It says one thing about our heart that is always true. It says that you will follow whatever you care about most. Your heart, that inner intellectual, moral, emotional center, will follow what you desire most. Jesus said it here in Matthew 6. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's our second key in this treasure principle, is that my heart always goes where I put God's money. Some of you, your heart is in your home. It's in your house because that's where you put all your money. Some of you, your heart is in your cabin or your boat or that car that you love. Maybe it's in some future retirement down the line that you are living, looking forward to living extravagantly in. But your heart will follow where you put God's money. It will follow. Tried and true principle. Jesus is saying, where you spend my money now is where your heart will follow in the future. I mean, think about this. Suppose you bought some stocks in GM and General Motors. You buy that stock. Do you, do you not think that you're going to be looking at the financials a little bit more? Are you not going to see, when you see an article on General Motors in a magazine or in the newspaper, are you going to stop? Was that there before you invested in it? No, you couldn't care about General Motors. But when you put your money into it, you did. Think about if you're trying to help African children with the plight of AIDS in their continent. Won't you, in reading a newspaper or an article, if you see something on that subject, would you not stop and have great concern about reading that? Or, or if you planted some churches in India, you help plant them with your money, would you not, if there was an earthquake in India, just have urgency in your prayer for those people? Where you put your money is where your heart will be. Where you invest God's money will always be of great concern to your heart. But we know this from Jesus. Jesus is not concerned about earthly treasures. He is more concerned about the state of your heart here. God is more concerned about your heart and the fact that your treasures will lead your heart. He wants our hearts to be pointed towards heaven and not towards earth. And so he instructs us to store up heavenly treasures so our hearts will follow in the right direction. So what does this mean for you and for me? It means the choices that you make about your time and your money and your talents matter. Each time you pursue one kind of treasure or another, you are gently nudging your heart in that direction. You are gently nudging your heart towards that concern. Every time you spend a dollar, you focus your heart a little bit more on the thing that you purchased with that money. And if we use our resources to advance God's kingdom, you'll find that your heart will follow in delighting in his work. But the more treasures you direct to your own desires, your own glory, the more those desires will grow and consume your heart. Because listen, at the end of the day, you can say that you love Jesus, but if you don't spend time with him, you probably don't love him as much as you think you do. And you can say you can love God, but if you don't give to him what is already his, 
then you probably don't love him as much as you think you do. And I'm not saying that to be hard on anybody. Think about your kids. You say that you love your kids and you spend time with them because of that. You give them out of the joy of your heart the things that are theirs, that they want. The same is true for God. The same is true for God. It is so easy for us to be blinded and guided by money spent in the wrong direction on the wrong things to arrive at destinations devoid of the extravagance and the blessing of God. And so those just simply today, quickly as we get into baptism, are keys to the treasure principle. God owns everything, and I'm his money manager. And my heart always goes where I put God's money. Tried and true principles for us to consider from God. Let's kind of turn our attention uh, to this tank before we have some stories today. Sometimes we can be confused about <clears throat> what this is about. <clears throat> it's a fun day. But this is an important day for many people who are getting, for the people who are getting in this tank. And it's an important day to Jesus. Uh, Christian baptism is one of two ordinances that Jesus instructs and institutes for his church. Just before Jesus ascends to heaven, Jesus says, go out and make disciples of the world, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded and know that I'm with you to the end of the age. Those are the words of Jesus in Matthew 28. These instructions specify that the church is responsible to teach Jesus' word, all of it, make disciples and baptize those disciples. And those things are to be done everywhere, all nations, and until the end of the age. And so for no other reasons than Jesus commanding baptism, is baptism important? And listen, this is not salvation. Baptism is linked closely to salvation but it is not what saves you. When we read the Bible in the word, there is a clear order of things. Faith, then baptism, then new life. In Acts 2, Acts 16, we see this. Faith, then baptism, then new life. G Peter, speaking, has a mass of people who believe, have faith, confess after hearing the word, and then he baptizes them. And so this is a step of obedience that says, I'm a part of God's family, but it is not what saves you. It's a profession of faith and discipleship. In the waters, this is a statement without words to say that I believe that Jesus Christ has cleansed me from my sins. He's died on the cross for me, that his blood covers me, and now I'm going to live a new life, a life that desires to die to self and live for Christ, a, a life that desires to look more and more like Jesus every day of our life, not perfectly, but as a practice. And I've said this before, and I want to make this clear. There's no magic in this water. There's no magic in that water. Many times I hear people say that I want to be baptized because I want to be closer to God. 
That water's not going to help you. We've said this before, that Jesus Christ on the cross removed every obstacle between you and God but your own desire. It doesn't change that. This tank is not about our own personal stories to make people understand how far that we've come in our lives, to talk about our story and say, look at me. This tank is about what God has done for us and to bring glory to his name, to make his name famous, not our own. And there are people that think that this tank is some sort of end to a process. This is not the end. This is the beginning. You know, when Jesus was baptized, he was baptized at 30. And that was the the turning point where he began his ministry. Jesus didn't get baptized and then was put on the cross and died. He was baptized and then he went. And so when we desire to get baptized, we should consider, like, am I willing? This is, I'm ready to head out into ministry to make known the decrees and the laws in the love of Christ, not just to check some bucket or some checklist. Baptism is obedience. It's saying Jesus is all that I have. And so today we get to baptize four people who have learned that the love of God changes everything. The love of God changes everything. These are not perfect people, but they have been found and changed by a perfect Savior. And so today we celebrate the fact that they're taking steps of obedience to do what the Savior says and take what he gives us. That is our do what he says Take what he gives you. And these people are walking in that obedience. And it's important for me, for you to understand, this isn't about them even. This is about us. Baptism is saying, I'm a part of this family. Don't disconnect yourself from these people in the tank. If you're a believer in Christ, we are to do the one another's to one another. This person is saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus. It's our responsibility to encourage them, love them, care for them, even to get in their way when we see them drifting off course in a loving, gentle way. This isn't just celebrating a story and then this is us coming together around one person and say, I care for you, brother, sister, and we're going to do this together. You have responsibility in this, not just to clap and applaud. That's a great story. But take to your heart that that's my family, and we look out for each other. And so I'm going to get out of the way here, and we're going to have a great day of celebrating God's movement in people's lives, and then we'll celebrate together over a, a meal. So let's just jump into our first story here today. A relationship with Jesus to me is, um, is praying every day and reading the Bible as often as possible and just talking about them to your friends and people you don't even know. I want to show people that I'm a follower of Christ and that I trust all of His plans for me and everybody else. And I just, I want to have a better relationship with Him and have a great journey from now on 
Jesus showed me grace by dying on the cross for me and, and for everybody else that needed forgiveness from all of their sins and all of their mistakes they made in life or are going to make. I want to be baptized because I want to make my beliefs public to everyone who is having a rough time in their life and I just want to show them that Jesus is real and He's there with you every step of the way. What an exciting day. Um, I'm Tara, I'm the middle school youth pastor, and we talk a lot in middle school about how our decisions have an impact on our lives and how our decisions, um, they also impact other people. And Lily, I wanna tell you that you've had a positive impact on me. Since I've known Lily, she just continually says yes to hard things. So she'll know, you, you know that you, you're gonna go into a situation and you know that you might have some fear or some anxiety there, but you just press into it and you say yes to those hard things. And I just wanna tell you that, first of all, that's very rare. For most of us, I, I can speak for a lot of people that when, when we have a choice on whether to avoid something that's hard, that a lot of times that we just do. So I wanna encourage you, Lily, to keep saying heart, to keep saying yes to those hard things. But I also wanna encourage you to invite God into that space. Because there's something that happens when we, say, when we say yes to those hard things, we can grow. And when we invite God into that, then he can grow us in ways that just, that don't even, they're miraculous and they don't maybe make sense to us. So I just wanna encourage you in that way. And I also want to thank you for being such an impact on me. So based on your testimony, we are going to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All right, Kendall, you come up here. Kendall, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of life. Do you believe that he died on the cross and was risen on the third day? Yes. Do you believe that his blood has covered your sins? Yes. Is it your desire to be a lifelong follower of God? Yes, it is. Great. Kendall, your family is so proud of the young woman you are becoming and that you are taking the step of baptism to show you are a follower of Christ. You have had some struggles the last few years, but I feel they have made you a stronger and that you will do great things with your life. This water symbolizes the washing away of sins in your new life. Now we baptize you in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Is it your testimony that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus Christ has paid for your sin, that his blood has purchased you, and that his death and his resurrection has brought you into new life? Yes, I do. Is it your desire to be a lifelong follower of Jesus Christ? Yes, it is. Awesome.
Trent, and we are all very proud of the young man that you're becoming and the excitement that you have, especially up to today, being baptized. Now we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I want to get baptized because um, I felt the time has come to take a step in my faith and show everyone that I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior because I know uh, that I'm imperfect and that um, He's the only one that can save me. I've had to like trust on Jesus more because in my senior year it's hard to know what the next step is and being anxious and I know that He's there for me when I need help and um, I can trust Him with my future. Um, so this past summer I did an internship with Created Equal and it was a pro-life organization but it really helped strengthen, strengthen my faith and helped me with Christian apologetics and it really showed me that this is what I need to be doing and to do that I need to show everyone that I am a Christian. Um, I need Jesus because I'm imperfect. Um, I cannot get to heaven by myself. Nothing I do is good unless I have Him in my life. Um, from this point forward, to be Christ-like, to obey is to obey God, to keep His commands, to be Christ-like to everyone, and that even though you're being baptized, it's not saying you're perfect from here, but it's that you're always wanting to be like Him and loving and keep His commands. Ava, it's been a real blessing to watch your life change over the last year and um, see you be more focused um, in your walk with God. Um, so I'm just really thankful to be here. So because of your testimony, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's join in prayer. Father, we just thank you uh, that we get to celebrate new life and the fact that you still are alive and you're moving in people's lives. And so, God, we just praise you for today, for these stories. <clears throat> and, Father, we just uh, are begging you, we're pleading with you just to, just to pr protect them, Lord, uh, that the enemy would have no foothold around here. Uh, God, I know that, that he wants nothing to do but destroy and tear down people. And so, God, I just pray for your spirit just to be fresh and new over these new believers, God, that you would just uh, you'd give them new desires, Lord, things that, that they have to question uh, about, why am I doing this, Lord? I want to follow you. Uh, and so, God, we just pray a blessing over them and their families, Lord. Help them to just have joy today in their eternal salvation in Christ. We love you and pray this in the awesome name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> 